0: My name is Phil Corbett from the podcast Van Sounds, and this is a podcast for Travel Nevada. This is part one of a two part series traveling the Burner Byway, a road trip from Reno to the Black Rock Desert and beyond. So buckle in, let's take a ride. Reno, Nevada is in a unique place. On the banks of the Truckee River, it's built into a landscape of extremes. To the east, high desert sprawls for hundreds of miles. To the immediate west are the great, often snow-capped Sierra Nevada mountains. And for a long time, this dramatic landscape has inspired artists. From Mark Twain to Marilyn Monroe to Johnny Cash, something about this place seems to strike a chord. One of the more well-known contemporary examples of art and expression inspired by the Great Basin might be Burning Man. The week-long event takes place about 125 miles north of Reno, and it brings in people from all over the world. The most noticeable fingerprint of Burning Man in Reno is the public art there are quite a few Burner sculptures scattered around downtown. But one place on the main drag across from the downtown casinos has made a point of collecting these sculptures and putting them on display.
1: So this is an empty lot in downtown Reno, and um, it was the lot where a bunch of old motels had been torn down, basically. And... um, so we had this idea to bring Burning Man art to blighted areas in order to kind of bring a little bit of love, a little bit of community, create a community gathering spot. We have it filled with art from Burning Man, and we have a beautiful mural that we commissioned Joe C. Rock to do that um, actually is also of Burning Man, the Black Rock Desert. Um, a couple of burners that are getting married on playa.
0: Burning Man actually started on a beach in the San Francisco Bay Area and moved to the Black Rock Desert in 1990. Though it had already built a bit of an aesthetic sensibility, the vast desert playa, or dry lake bed, allowed artists to completely change the way they approached installation art.
1: So the Black Rock Desert is pretty austere, um, but it's also a blank canvas, and so it gives the artists an opportunity to, it's flat, which makes it easy to install, um, but it gives the um, artists this backdrop of um, just vastness and dry lake bed and mountains in the background. Um, And what's interesting is that the the sculptures at Burning Man, um, they're huge.
0: Do you think there's something you know uniquely Nevadan about this kind of sculpture in this kind of place?
1: Um, I don't know that I. I would say that it's Nevadan in that it. If we didn't have Burning Man happening in the Black Rock Desert, we would not have the artists from all over the world creating art um, specifically for Burning Man. And so Reno has developed um, a great relationship with Burning Man and. Um, it's truly a cultural collaboration in that um, the, we're the gateway. Reno is the gateway to Black Rock City. Um, and so for us to bring the Art of Burning Man to downtown Reno um, is kind of a cross-pollination, cross-cultural um, experience for the the people in Reno, the people in Nevada that are traveling. What's nice is that this is on Virginia Street, so people pass it and then they recognize the fact that these are these are actually sculptures from Burning Man. So then they stop and come in to, again, what would have been an empty lot.
0: Ahead, about a mile south of the Reno Playa Art Park to another place with Burning Man sculptures out front.
2: I'm Amanda Horn, Senior Vice President of Communications for the Nevada Museum of Art. So The Nevada Museum of Art is the only art institution in the state of Nevada that is accredited by the American Alliance of Museums. And the reason that's significant is because it puts us in the same category as you know, the MoMA or the Met or institutions that people recognize that are top of mind.
0: The Nevada Museum of Art is a big, beautiful building in the sort of financial district of downtown Reno.
2: So i like to say there's always going to be something on view here that will inspire people um, from a variety of backgrounds. And we really like to think of ourselves as a public square where people can come together and have this sort of free, inspiring exchange of ideas and have experiences that are both really rooted in the deep and strong identity of Nevada, but that participate uh, through that lens in a global conversation.
0: Amanda says the museum is known not just for the big touring exhibits from well-known artists, but also for work that is deeply rooted in Nevada.
2: Yes, so, you know, I think one of the things that really makes the Nevada Museum of Art special is a very strong sense of identity. We are not an encyclopedic institution, so we don't try to collect a bunch of different works from across a variety of eras of art. We have a very specific collecting and scholarship focus that then informs what people see on view in in the galleries. Broadly, that's referred to as sort of art and environment, um, but that's not necessarily environmental. It's like looking at how how creative peoples um, participate in different kinds of environments, and whether that's natural, built, or virtual, um, and then what it means to come from a place or to be rooted in a place that is in an extreme environment, and how artists um, have reacted to that. For instance, with Burning Man, you know, artists um, are... Kind of going out to this blank canvas in the desert um, and reacting in a way that people actually across the greater West, people in these sorts of extreme environments and open voids um, often will do acts of radical experimentation and that's one thing that we see when we look at this across time and and around different geographies and so we are very interested in how these conversations all connect and how the art then connects. Yes so I think that there are a lot of different examples of radical experimentation in the desert um, that I could talk about at length right but I think that there's a few kind of contemporary examples that we can focus on that um, one of those, of course, is Burning Man. I mean, in the Nevada Museum of Art owns the largest Burning Man archive um, outside of the Burning Man project itself. And so we, as part of our research library and archives in the Center for Art and Environment, we have documents and objects uh, from across the 30-plus year history of Burning Man. And, and that's significant because Burning Man would not be what it is today without... The Black Rock Desert, right? So it was moving into this sort of bigger blank canvas space within an extreme environment that gave it the uh, materials that, well, if you need it in order for it to evolve and to grow into what it is today, which is truly a global phenomenon.
0: There is something about the desert that lends itself to unexpected forms of expression.
2: People who have not been to Reno or who think about Reno as kind of a smaller city will be totally blown away by their experience at the Nevada Museum of Art. It is not a museum that people would expect when they think about a medium-sized city, um, and then they come in and encounter it. It's not a huge museum, it's like 70,000 square feet, but the work that is in on view and the exhibitions are of the highest caliber, but they're so accessible, and I think that that's really what people will be, will feel um, excited about. So it's definitely a place you must stop, because It will really, I think, um, it will open your eyes to the wonder and beauty of, uh, of this place and how significant it is on the world stage.
0: The Truckee River flows from Lake Tahoe into downtown Reno. And since we're in the Great Basin, the river doesn't make it to the ocean. Instead, it flows northeast to its inland terminus, Pyramid Lake. When travel partner Sidney Martinez and I crest the ridge into the Pyramid Lake Basin, it's a shade of blue that I've never seen before. And I swear, it's always a shade of blue that I've never seen before. The lake is a shimmering jewel embedded in craggy desert mountains, and it's ringed by large gray rock formations. Spires and mounds of porous rock called tufa, left behind from an ancient lake that held all of this underwater. Pyramid Lake is entirely within Paiute land, and to get a day-use permit, you can stop in the town of Sutcliffe on the west side of the lake, or in Nixon on the south side. Sydney and I head down to Nixon and make our way to the Tribal Museum.
3: Good morning. My name is Billie Jean Guerrero. We're here at the Pyramid Lake Paiute Tribal Museum in Nixon, Nevada.
0: The museum is an eclectic and well-curated mix of ancient artifacts, natural history, contemporary culture, and art
3: my favorite artwork in the museum would be the basket work Uh, because i am a basket weaver and i understand the time it takes to prepare materials although i'm basically a beginner i appreciate the older uh, baskets that we have here because they're made out of all of the natural materials including the threading um currently as um you know, it's easier, it was easier than to, you know, get all of the needed materials. Today, some of the materials are threatened, uh, for example, for getting the willows, which is the most common material used for baskets. Uh, we have to be careful of pesticides um, being sprayed upon the willows. Um, they're not as strong as they used to be, and that's partly from the drought Um so a lot of the uh, materials that are used, they're not as easy to get as they were a long time ago. But nonetheless, it still takes uh, a lot of preparation time to get these materials. And so one can really appreciate you know, all the time that went into that and very, very intricate work. So, I don't have anything in particular that I favor most because I appreciate everything that we have here, but just in this display here we have a winnowing tray with the pine nuts in there Uh, and it's a loose weave so that, that what was used to be able to put the hot coals in there to roast the pine nuts and then the shells as the wind blows they blow off to the side so you'd basically just have the nut of the pine nut the meat Mm -hmm. inside without the shells for that Um, there's another winnowing tray a a tightly woven tray Mm -hmm. and that had a different purpose as far as um, you know use of the pine nuts Uh, Next to that we have a cooking basket, so the baskets were even used to be able to cook liquids uh, in the basket by putting hot stones in there. And then next to that is a Paiute water bottle, so our weaving was so tight it could hold water. And so basically, you know, we need water to live, so you had to have something to store the water in and this probably would hold up to a gallon of water but i know in the area that they have found even larger water bottles that might hold up to 5 gallons of water and then we have a lot of grinding stones within the museum and we call our uh, flat stone the mata and the tesuna is the stone that is smaller it's a, oval size and it's flat so that you could grind nuts or berries, meats um, anything like that to be able to store your food uh, throughout the winter months so being hunters and gatherers it was very important to gather as much as you could to be able to survive the winters because the winters were a lot harsher than they are today
0: Yeah and thats it's so interesting to me that the the baskets, the artwork, and I mean every every piece of this, the water bottle, it's made entirely of things that grow from here, and it's not only just used to appreciate to look at, it's made to use. And that's what's I think often artwork isn't made as a utilitarian good, you know and I find that that seems really interesting that this is both art and absolutely useful in everyday life.
3: That's correct. So basically we refer to these as our survival arts because without these items we would have never been able to survive um, these thousands and thousands of years. So our oldest human remains here within the reservation have been dated at least 9,500 years old, sometimes even older than that, so... Yes, we've been here a long time. And if it weren't for um, being able to make these ingenious items, you know, uh, we would have perished. But we were able to survive it, and we're still here, and we're very happy about that.
0: For the Paiutes, art, environment, and survival are inherently connected. And all three are deeply rooted in this place in the high desert. There is a lot to learn in this museum about the land and about what it means to be a person living here. Sydney and I get back on the highway and head north toward the Black Rock Desert. This podcast was produced by me, Phil Corbett, for Travel Nevada. This episode was all about the Burner Byway, which stretches across the northwestern part of the state. To learn more details about all the stops along this route and other Nevada road trips, check out TravelNevada.com. The intro song was Everything in the Desert Wants to Kill You by Reno band Rob Ford Explorer and the outro is by People with Bodies. You can find my other work at vansounds.org or search Vansounds wherever you're listening now. Thanks for tuning in and see you in part two.